Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, to the podcast, talking about Hail and Farewell. <clears throat> we finished uh, Chapter 6. BYO prompts didn't have much to say. <clears throat> Excuse me. Techrific says, Rothenberg is worth a look. Ooh, it's pretty. Damn, if you just go Google image of Rothenberg, the R-O-T-H-E-N-B-U-R-G. Um, it's like... <clears throat> It's like a medieval San Francisco. <laughs> That's how I'm going to describe it. Lots of little like triangular townhouses, but they look like tiled roofs and lots of kind of thatching. Um, I'm not sure if that's the word, like cross-hatched sort of wooden structures. Um, it looks kind of like a, a, a Dutch medieval... Um, well, I guess it's German, so it's weird to describe it as Dutch. But I don't know why I'm getting Dutch vibes. Looks like a German medieval, um, uh, uh, what did I say? San Francisco. <laughs> um, apparently some of these buildings and spaces are the settings for some Harry Potter scenes as well. So there you go. Think, think of that kind of quaint little Harry Potter village type places. Um, and there you are. Beautiful. I'm going to go there now and put it on my list. It's the kind of place, says Tech, that elicits two reactions and in some profound sense is telling which camp you belong to. One, this looks like a Disney set and I hate the kitsch of it. Or two, this looks like a Disney set and I love it. Which camp would you subscribe to and do you form a new set in three? (laughs) Disney didn't come to mind, but now that you say it, uh, yeah, I can see a bit of Disney vibes. Like It looks like, um, I don't know, where kind of Beauty and the Beast would start or something like that. Um, or what's the one I'm thinking of? You know, all these references I've got are like not in Germany, which is strange. Um, I was was about to say Pinocchio, but that's obviously Italy. Um, well, yeah, I like it. It is quite kitsch. Um, but my camp would be, as I described before, um, what did I say? My camp is, um, medieval San Francisco. And yes, I do like it. I want to go there. Swim says the moment she says, I guess I fall in camp three. I have a high appreciation of kitsch. I'm still kicking myself. I didn't buy the Leaning Tower of Peas and Nightlight. <laughs> I'm always on the lookout for fun, cheesy souvenirs that really capture the essence of a place. We've been known to stop at the kooky roadside attractions at Dot America. On the other hand, I have heard of those. I've seen them in films like, you know, World's Biggest a donut or something like that. On the other hand, not a fan of overpriced Disney theme parks. I didn't care for the Dublin tourist district. New Orleans French, my kitsch standards are very, very high. I'm still kicking my... Oh, Techrific said lol. I already read that bit. Um, yeah, that's the thing with these European cities. Not that I've been. I've been to Italy, but other than that... Um, not, you know, haven't seen any of Europe, but, you know, my mum came back from a trip around Europe. She went around, uh, these beautiful English villages, you know, up in the Cotswolds and stuff like that. And then out to some just amazingly beautiful villages in Scotland and, you know, up around those places. And they are just remarkably beautiful. And then, but then she'll be like, and I took that photo at, uh, 5.07 AM, um, because any later than that and the photo would just look like 10,000 tourists. Like, you see these beautiful empty 
they look just so quaint and peaceful little village streets, but the reality is there are so many tourists all the time in some of those places. Um, that's anecdotal anyway, and not even my anecdote, but that's what I've heard. Still, I want to go. Um, I've got the travel. I've got the, what do they call it? Travel bug. I really want to go to Europe and, and just explore around and just hang out for a while, you know? Just live there for a bit. Like just a few months. All right, readings. Let's keep reading. Chapter 7 looks like it's a bit of a longer one, um, but let's see if we can get this done in three three uh, parts. I think that's a pretty good aim. Chapter 7. Though we could find nothing of interest to say about Rothenburg, we did not wish to leave the town in a slighting silence, so I asked Edward if he thought that living among medical, oh, sorry, medieval aspects influenced the children playing, and if it were possible to feel sure that the Rothenburg mind could be as effective in modern life as the Berlin or the Carlsbad or the Dresden, Edward replied that he did not know or care whether it would be as effective, but was quite sure that... Life in a medieval town could not fail to produce a beautiful mind, and a long discussion sprang up between us, I maintaining that it were better to live in a modern town like Dusseldorf, in which there is only one picture, Holbein's holy family, than to live in a medieval town like Rothenburg. I want to see Dusseldorf now. Um, Where there are only roofs and lanterns, Edward declaring that art is traditional, and where there is no tradition, there can be no art. And though it was not likely that Rothenberg would produce an impressionist painter, there is no saying that Rothenberg might not produce another Cronache, or still better, another Luther. And you would not mind sacrificing some red roofs to save Europe from another heresy. Just looking at Dusseldorf now. Um, images. Oh, it actually does look very modern. It looks so modern that I'm amazed that a hundred years ago when they wrote this book, they referred to it as modern. Well, there you go. Um, Holbein's Holy Family, uh, sorry, in which there is only one picture, Holbein's Holy Family, then to live in a medieval town like Rothenburg, there, where there are only roofs and lanterns. Edward declaring that artist... I've already read this, haven't I? There is no saying that Rothenburg... I've already read this. Edward did not like my remark. It proved... My soul, he said, as a shallow one. For whenever I was being cornered in an argument, I tried to banter my way out. Continue, my dear friend, but I don't see your point. Nor do I see yours, he answered. I thought, somewhat testily, Rothenburg is a Gothic town, and you don't approve of the Gothic. Is your proposal to turn the people out of Rothenburg and keep the place as a museum? You wouldn't destroy it, I suppose? Destroy it? No, I answered. But if I can be shown the medieval surroundings are not altogether a healthy influence upon children, do you not think that some opportunity should be given to them for contrasting the old with the new, and that some part of the town, for instance, should be modernised? It is possible that the reader will think that I was rather tiresome that day, but so was the train, and to while away the time there was no rescue, but to ra- oh sorry, there was no resource but to raise the question whether Rothenburg would have produced the same Edward as Galloway. But the question did not succeed in provoking any of those psychological admissions that make him so agreeable a travelling companion. He was not in a communicative mood that afternoon, and to draw him out 
I was obliged to remind him that Bavaria is Protestant and Catholic, and strangely intermixed, for the two sects use the same church, service at 11 and at mass at 12. And you might have been brought up a Protestant Edward or half and half. A grave look came into his face and he answered that if he hadn't been brought up a Catholic, and severely, he might have gone to pieces altogether, and I sat pondering the very interesting question whether Edward would have done better as a Protestant than as a Catholic. Every man knows himself better than anyone else can know him, and Edward seemed to think that he needed to stay. Needed a stay, sorry. Perhaps so, but there is a vein of thought, perhaps I should say of feeling, in him when Catholicism seems to me to have restrained and which Protestantism, I like to think, would have encouraged. The effect of religion upon character was worth considering, and as there was nothing else to do in the train, I set myself to think the matter out. But it is hard to set bounds on one's thoughts, and mine suddenly turned to Edward, from Edward, sorry, and I found myself wondering if the great genius towards whom we were faring could have ridden the ring in Rosenberg. Now this was a question which had to be put to Edward and at once, and he applied himself to it, pointing out that Bayreuth was nearly as quaint and slumberous as Rothenberg, yet Wagner had written part of the ring in Beirut. I'm not, by the way, Beirut, I keep saying Beirut because I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's B-A-Y-R-E-U-T-H, it's not Beirut, it's, um, I don't know, whatever that is. True that he had written parts of it all over Europe, some of it was written in Switzerland, some in Italy, some even in Dorset Square, but if he had been born in Rothenburg and had never left it, the noise of the train prevented me from catching his answer, and leaning back in my seat I fell to thinking of the extraordinary joy and interest that Beirut had been in my life ever since Edward and I went there for the first time at the beginning of the 90s after hearing a performance of The Ring in London. It had been the horns announcing the rain that reawakened my musical conscience, the melodies of my own country. I had never heard Offenbach and Herve stirred me to music when we went to live in London, and I carried to Paris all their little tunes in my head. Painters are often more or less musicians. One such drifted into our studio, and he introduced me to the Circles des Merletons, where I heard Haydn, Beethoven, Mozart, classical music, ousted operate without difficulty, and as long as there were musical friends about, music was followed with as much interest as could be spared from the art of painting. But when the maladministration of my affairs called me from Paris to Ireland, musical interest disappeared with my French friends. They were driven underground when agrarian outrages compelled me to consider the possibility of earning my living. The only way open to me was literature, so I went to London to write, as has been told in a chapter in an earlier book. In it. Huh. What? That's confusing. I went to London to write, as has been told in a chapter in an earlier book, but this is book one. Are we... Maybe we're not reading book one. This is not the first time I've thought this, by the way. But it does kind of start in a weird spot for a book that is, like, uh, autobiographical. 
Maybe we should look into that. In London Literature and Poverty absorbed me for several years and I had forgotten music altogether when Edward asked me if I would go to hear the Ringgold. I had consented, regretting my promise almost as soon as it was given, for Wagner or Wagner was reputed unmelodious and difficult to all except the erudite, and fearing that I should be bored for several hours by sounds which would mean nothing to me, I began to seek for excuses and to ask Edward if he could not dispose of the ticket he had taken for me. He could not do this, and as my plaints did not cease, he said to me as he walked up King's Bench Walk, Well, there's no use your coming, or my pleasure will be spoiled. The dark theatre reminded me of the rooms at exhibitions in which bad pictures are exhibited. No light showing anywhere except on the picture itself, but the moment the horns gave out the theme of the reen, my attention was arrested, and a few minutes after it was clear that new birth awaited me. A day or two later I heard Tristan, and so happened that there were performances at Beirut that year, so Edward and I went there together, and we have gone there many times since, each visit awakening every little musical faculty in me and developing it. And though nothing can be created, a seed can be developed prodigiously, and a taste likewise. If the soil be fertile and circumstances fortunate, they were certainly favourable to my picking up this lost interest. Edward is a true melomaniac, loving all good music and ready to travel anywhere to hear music. Then there is Durjardin, who is always talking to me about music. His friends are musicians, and whenever I go to Paris, I am with musicians talking about music when not listening to it. And once again, my life began to unfold in a musical atmosphere. To feel one's life unfolding is joy. Life should never cease to unfold, and it will be time enough for death to lower the banner when the last stitch of canvas is reached. Now I was going to Beirut again, determined to understand the ring a little better than here to four. But was this possible? I can learn until somebody tries to teach me. All the same, every man is at tether and lying back in my seat in the train <coughs> excuse me, from Rothenburg, a little weary of conversation with Edward. I relinquish myself to regrets that my ear only allows me to hear the surface of music, the motives which float up to the top, the transforming effect of a chord upon a melodic phrase. I can hear that Wagner's melodies arise naturally, one out of the other, if I could not hear that, every malady in Tristan rises out of the one that precedes it. Wagner could not. Could Wagner would have written in vain. As far as I was concerned, my ear is but rudimentary, an ear that will seem like no ear to those who can hear the whole orchestra together, and in detail, seeing in their mind's eye the notes that every instrument is playing. It is well to have for their ears, but mere ear will not carry anybody very far, to appreciate music and intelligence is necessary, and those who are not gifted with too much ear can hear the music often than those who can read it. Last year in Paris, Ducas told me he would not go to hear some music with me because he had read it, and having once read a piece of music, there was nothing left in it for him. So essentially, human is Wagner, that there is something in his art for everybody, 
Something in his music for me, and a great deal for musicians, and besides the music, some part of which everybody except the tone-deaf can hear, there are the dramas, wonderful in conception and literary art, for him, gifted and with imagination, there are scenes in The Ring as beautiful as any in Shakespeare, and were Jujarin pressed to state his real feeling on the subject, he would affirm that nothing has been written in words as moving as the scene in which Brunhild tells Sigmund that Wotan is calling him to Valhalla. Not the music, Judarin cries, it is not the music that counts, but the words. The music is beautiful, of course it is, it couldn't be else. But so intensely aware was Wagner on the poetry that he allowed it to transpire. One can think about Judarin and Wagner without the time appearing long, and I had forgotten a very long, sorry, a very important matter about which there had been a great deal of correspondence till I was suddenly reminded of it by slackening in the speed of the train. At the time I am writing of Beirut was an uncomfortable town to live in. It has changed a good deal within the last ten years, and in the twentieth century we get better food in the restaurants than we did in the nineteenth. Bathrooms have begun to appear, the fly-haunted privy is nearly extinct, and this was the important matter that the slackening of the train's speed had reminded me of. We had written many letters and had many interviews with the agent who apportions out the lodgings. With my last words had been to him a clean privy. He had promised that he would see to it, but from the direction in which the coachman was driving us, it would seem that the desirable accommodation was not procurable in the town. It was... Uh, it was Edward who noticed that our coachman was heading straight for the country and standing up in the carriage he began to expostulate ineffectually. However, for Edward's German is limited and the driver only laughed, pointing with a whip towards a hillside facing the theatre and there we saw a villa and by our word and overlooking a cornfield, a lodging so delightful that I could not feel... I could not but feel interested in Edward's objection to it. And that's going to be our reading. Stopping there for the night. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.